Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here is an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, Big Shoes. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs. He said he loved you. He did some lying. You've been mistreated. You've done some crying. Ain't you heard enough? I think his time is up. your heart to me slide over baby whisper everything you're wishing for i bring it to your door You cover If the sky should open Rain should fall Count on me to build you Four walls and a roof above Yeah, I'll be your house of love Yeah If you start to shiver 
And that was Big Shoes from their brand new release. And uh, we got Rick Huckabee on the line right now. Hey, Rick, how you doing? Doing great, Richard. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty well. Now, uh, this is the first time you've been on our show, and we always like to start things off by giving our fans an opportunity to really get to know who you are. So the best way to do that is through your journey, how you got to where you are today. So give us the story of Big Shoes and, of course, of Rick Huckabee. Well, Big Shoes, uh, this is my eighth year now being a part of that and how I got involved with it. One of the guys in the band back when it was, uh, they had been together, I think, a year or two before. Uh, he and I were doing a pickup gig together one night here in Nashville. We're all based in the Nashville area. And uh, he said, man, I've got a band that I'm involved with that I think you would be interested in being a part of. And I said, well, what is it? And he said, well, it's, it's kind of a, a little feet cover band. So I said, cool. I, I, at the time, my knowledge of little feet was kind of limited, but I, I was interested in it and I thought it would be fun. And he's a great musician. And I thought, man, this could be a lot of fun. And so I went and tried it. Next thing I know, eight years later, <laughs> I'm still in the band. And through all that, we uh, not only recorded some feet songs, we started writing our own songs and, uh, we made an album and then a second one, and now Fresh Tracks is our third one now that we've made. And uh, for us, it's just it's just been a really uh, a great labor of love. These guys all have amazing uh, resumes and discographies of people that they've worked with. And to me, I, I was really interested in that and getting to work with with players like that that have had uh, such incredible incredible uh, histories, you know, that they've been a part of. So musically, for me, I was I I. I, I love getting to write with those guys and so it's getting to do that now and making our third record is uh it's it's just quite an honor it's really really cool how it all kind of came together we 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 still play the feet songs live you know because that's how we started out but really the the cool part of big shoes for me is when we started writing songs together and recording okay well now at least the 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 big shoes um name makes sense now since you started as a little feet band. yeah, yeah. Like that's pretty clever isn't it? <laughs> yeah, okay i get that um now let's talk about this new release um and you know i always curious you know if you run into someone in the street and you want to give them the elevator pitch what would that be the elevated pitch for me always with uh, Big Shoes is just incredible musicianship. And uh, what makes it even more special is The Hang. We're all buds, and, and we all like hanging out together. So The Hang is really, really cool. But for me, the, the, the sell to someone would just be that uh, getting to hear some really, really great players that have played on a lot of incredible records. Mark T. Jordan, our piano player, uh, played on Tupelo Honey, the, the great Van Morrison record, many, many others, and, and Bonnie Raitt people like that jackson brown so those guys the amount of experience that they've had particularly in the studio is what i think kind of sets us apart maybe from some other bands out there as far as what we can create in the studio okay now um let's talk a little bit about um you as a songwriter and i guess the whole band as how you you work together to create your original material when you sit down to begin that process, what's kind of the, the mechanism that you use that allows you to tap into your muse? Well, these guys, as you mentioned, they, they, these guys are all great songwriters. And uh, so really it was very easy. We'd all had a lot of experience in that. And so what was cool about when we made this record, we all contributed to it. And, and 
we, we also went and found songs that we didn't like, you know, just things from people that we were fans of, other songwriters and things uh, of that nature. So we, we, we really took kind of a well-rounded approach as far as looking for songs, what we wanted to do, and then writing our own. As far as getting to the muse, um, you know, Permanent Midnight, uh, one of my favorites on the record. I wrote that with uh, Tom Zell, our bass player, and Mark T. Jordan, who I just mentioned. And that was just a great, they had a great groove, you know, and I had a title, and we just started talking about it and started grooving and, <laughs> you know, wrote the song. So I, I think uh, we kind of took kind of a, more of an organic approach to it, just kind of going and seeing what feels right, because we'd really never done that before on, on a previous record. So, we sort of went with that, and uh, it led the way for us, man. It turned out great going that way. Okay. Now, um, you know, a lot of songwriters have embraced some of that technology today uh, as tools in their toolkit. You know, cell phone or home recording studio. What are some of the tools that you've found have been, you know, that's indispensable to you as a writer? Well, you're right. There's so much stuff out there now, and with Pro Tools and all that stuff, uh, it, it, Having your phone obviously makes things uh, easier as far as uh, capturing ideas and things like that. But for for me personally, I, I still just go back to I'm a guitar player, and so I, I just I, I sort of rely on that to to sort of spark the muse, so to speak. And 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 using technology as as often as I can use it with Pro Tools now. You know, you can store things and you can edit. But we tried to stay away from that part of the game uh, a little bit because we wanted to keep it more kind of first and second takes in fact all the songs on this on this record they're all the first or second take you know we didn't want to lose too much of the the live feel of it but using pro tools to help us edit along the way i think is a cool thing too okay um now of course every songwriter has that moment where you got to put the pen down you got to kind of uh, you know get the song over to production and give it to the band and you know everyone gets their fingerprints on it how do you determine when a song is ready to move to that next phase wow that's a cool question um i think for us we knew in the first couple of takes if we were in you know if we were going in the in the right direction with with uh, with what we were trying to accomplish like you mentioned everybody putting their 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 fingerprint on it um Kevin McKendry produced our record, and it was our first time getting to work with him. And he was just incredible and just really, really cool to work with and helping us sort of stay focused on, you know, hey, I think you got it on the first take, guys. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. You know, when we were really pushing, you know, he really sort of kept us, you know, centered during that process of, of keeping the focus to not lose the, you know, the track that we were really looking for. Okay. Now, um, Let's talk about uh, the lineup on this. Tell me about the lineup and who's playing. Yeah, incredible musicians. Uh, on drums, we have Lynn Williams. He's, he's uh, worked with Delbert McClinton for many, many years. Leroy Parnell, he played with the Wallflowers. Had him in playing drums. Uh, Will McFarlane, who's a member of the Musicians Hall of Fame. He's a Muscle Shoals guy that worked with Bonnie Raitt and many, many other uh, people along the way. Plays guitar. We have... Kenny Kramer on guitar, worked with the great Ronnie Millsap, uh, Sean Murphy, uh, many, many, Leroy Parnell as well. He's a, a, a guitar player in the band. I myself play guitar. And then we have Mark T. Jordan playing piano, keyboards. Uh, worked with many people, Taj Mahal, Jackson Brown, Van Morrison that I mentioned earlier. 
Brian Brock on percussion. Brian's a, a great guy that's uh, a new Nashville native. He's been here for the last few years, came from L.A., worked with everyone from Frankie Valley to uh, Dr. Dre <laughs> doing records. Okay. And Tom Zell on on bass, yeah, on on bass. And Tom has uh, worked with people like Robin Ford and many, many others. Grew up with guys that were in the James Gang in the Cleveland, Ohio area. All of us have, uh, except for Will, he lives in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, which is not far from here uh, for us. But everybody else uh, has relocated from someplace else and been in Nashville for many, many years. So for us, it was just a really great combination of getting to work with uh, different musicians coming together for a project like this. And, uh, man, we have a lot of fun. I mean, we really enjoy it, and I hope we can continue to do it. Okay. Now, um, you're working with Betsy Brown from Blind Raccoon to kind of you know, yes. get it out there and uh, get it to radio and press. How is that relationship working? Uh, we're so thankful to be working with Betsy. Uh, it's just... You know, for us, uh, we really wanted to have her help and her insight on this release, and uh, it's it's just great for us because you know we get uh, to be associated with people like yourself and uh, turning people onto the record and hopefully making some new fans. And she's been really instrumental for us. Yeah, Betsy's good at what she does. Now, no doubt. Let's talk a little bit about the industry itself. Um, I mean, it's obvious that um, we're in a world where the consumer has embrace streaming as much as we want to complain about it as much as we want to bitch about it the fact of the matter is is this is our reality vinyl is not going to save us i don't care what anybody tells you there is no resurgence in vinyl that's going to bring back any profit margin that is significant um change to the independent artist's bottom line um So we have to deal with this. And the problem with streaming right now is that recorded music has lost its status as a product. It's now a service. How has this shift in perception affected you as an artist? Well, that's a great question. It it, it has definitely affected uh, me as a a songwriter. And it's affected the other guys in the band uh, as songwriters as well. Uh, particularly just in, in relationship to like what you, you mentioned with streaming, you know, um, it's it's exponentially different than what it, it was in the past. My hope is that, uh, and I don't know where we are with the Music Modernization Act, but I, I'm, I'm hoping that that will get us going in the right direction uh, as far as songwriters are concerned, because we, you know, we... We're just trying to keep make the the the, the playing field uh, more level than than what it is. Like you mentioned, you know where it's at now, it's not sustainable for musicians. So my my hope is that 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 will change and and make things more relative to today for streaming. Yeah, and and I agree. the The current model that we're looking at with streaming and how they pay independent artists, um, it's not sustainable. We can't continue no. to keep doing this. Um, and I don't think that the, the uh, Music Monetization Act goes even close to far enough uh, to address the issue. Yeah, that's just a step, right, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that we're going to have to take kind of um, force our way into a world where we have a seat at this table um, as technology changes. If you look at, you know, the digital revolution over the course of the last 25 30 years 
it has really um, been predicated on on a, on a constant changing of platforms. You know, we had LimeWire, then Napster, and then you know iTunes came come along with the iPod and the ninety nine cent downloads and Apple. Uh, then it went to streaming with Spotify and Pandora and so on and so forth. So there is this history of, of this constant change. And there is new technology coming down the pike that I've been keeping a very close eye on. One of which is streaming platforms that are being developed on the blockchain, which is this uh, technology that secures cryptocurrency. And what they've done is the way this works is that you can put these digital applications embedded into this blockchain and it's a decentralized system. In other words, no company can own it. It's owned by the fans and the artists. They're the ones who control the platform because of the way that the blockchain works. And because the um, accounting is all generated through what they call smart contracts, there's no way to corrupt it in as far as giving major labels more than independent artists or yada yada. It's, it's a totally, um, uh, how can I put it, a flat playing field for everyone. Gotcha. Um, okay. And also, because of the fact that it is this direct connection, they're claiming that they can pay up to 80% of the incoming revenue back to the content creators themselves, the artists. What do you think of that uh, as a potential for the I, I think that would be fantastic. And, and uh, that was very well laid out, by the way. <laughs> I, I, because, I mean, that's... That is more. That is absolutely in the direction that I feel that it needs to go. And I think any any music creator that that's the best way to put that. Like you mentioned earlier, that yeah, that 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 is. I, I think that's what the fans want too. That's what I really think your your fans want. It's just really always been about that relationship. To how do you you know what makes it best for and and fair for both? You know, and I I like the sound of that, man. Yeah, and, you know, there's even more offshoots of that. Um, uh, yeah. Of course, with the streaming platform, you have, of course, you have Audius, uh, you have Emanate, you've got Audio Locks, uh, but there's this other site called Royal.io, and what they let you do is they allow you to create these NFTs, these non-fungible tokens, and these non-fungible tokens would represent a portion of either your streaming royalties or your publishing royalties, whatever you decide you want to do. And one of the rap artists, Nas, um, did this. And he did it through Royal.io. And I was kind of watching what he did. And I started to do the, the numbers. And what he did is he created enough of these NFTs to cover one half of the streaming royalties on two songs off his latest release. And he sold it to his fan base and was able to generate almost a hundred, uh, almost $600,000 of upfront income. Okay. Wow. Wow. 
and now he also now has almost 3,000 fans that have an economic interest in making sure that his music is streamed because they get paid. Yeah, and wow. In, and in addition to that, the way the smart contracts are uh, set up, that these things can be bought and sold on this open market, just like stocks are sold and bought. And the artist gets a commission on all future sales of these wow. NFTs. <laughs> and that's in perpetuity. Wow. That's forever. So what, yes. what do you think of that, of allowing your fans to actually invest in you, much like a record company would, I think it's brilliant. I, I think that's I think that's brilliant. I, I mean, I think that's brilliant for someone that's actually. I, I had a major record deal, and, and compared to that, I mean, honestly, I, I, that to me sounds like more of a, of a a feasible model. You know, I really do. I just think that's what your fan. I think your fans want to do that. They want to invest in you. So, kudos to them for for. Uh, you know, putting that in the right direction because I would I would go for something like that for sure. Yeah, it's interesting because you know if you look at a record company, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to want your publishing, and you know the money oh, yeah. you get from them. You know, you 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 really can't look at it as profit. It's it's a high interest loan with lousy terms. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, here is an opportunity where you can control your product control what who gets it how it is monetized without a record company without any other um outside interest taking a piece of it it's one of the biggest problems with the music industry and it was an article in billboard magazine about this how um of the billions of dollars that are being generated by the music industry only 12 percent gets to the artist because yeah. there are so many middlemen within the you know the industry and how it is set up. Absolutely. The, this new technology eliminates the aggregators and the and the distributors and the record companies and all these people that every time you put out a release are standing in line with their handout in order <laughs> for you to get yeah. this thing out there. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting exercise to see how this fleshes out and of course you know the record industries are gonna you know they're gonna try and fight it just like they tried to fight napster sure um sure but we as independent artists we need to kind of force our way and and get into this technology at the ground floor so we're there and at the yeah. table before the record companies can start to try and corrupt it you know what I mean? I, I, I agree. Yeah, I, completely. I think that the more that you can uh, keep it about your fans and keep <laughs> them being the, those those major record companies away from it, the better. You know, yeah. uh, I, I, and I hope that's where we we get to in a, in a very in the very near future. The cool thing about it is, I think that, that that hearing ideas like this, you know, are are great steps in the right direction. I mean, those, those are you know, just taking the time to implement them and let it all happen. You know. Yep, yep, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, it's interesting because it really kind of um, goes together with what's happening out there on social media 
And, you know, with content creation and social media marketing, where a lot of artists have started to realize it's about the brand. Every, yeah. It's about getting uh, your fans to vest themselves into your brand. It's no longer just about the music. The fans want to understand and know you as a person. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, yes. Yes. They you do. know, I was sitting last night and I was watching The Voice, and each time they had an artist that you knew was going to, you know, get chair turns, they would do a montage about that particular artist. You know what I mean? They would tell you about. Yeah. Right. Right. That's branding. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're branding that person, giving you something you know you know that oh you know they had this tragedy in their life and you you vest yourself into them you know right right and i'm finding on the internet on social media that the artists that are gaining the most amount of success in this are almost treating their content on social media much like you would treat a reality show you're giving yes. fans this this view of the world through your eyes and through your, you know, almost allowing them to kind of live vicariously through your exploits. And, you know, if you think about it on a sociological point, we've been in this world of reality shows for 30 years. We've been bent yeah. over the head with it. So we're mm-hmm. the fan base is very accepting of that kind of content. Yeah. yeah, they are. So, you know, if you get yourself and you start creating content, you know, showing not only what you do musically, you know, you can't always do the hard sell, buy my music, go to my show, buy my music, go to my show. You got to kind of give them a little more, you know? Yeah. This is what I do on my off time. I raise chickens or I got a puppy. I got a, you know. Yeah. You know, I got kittens that love to play with balls and, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, right, 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 right. You know, it, it, and you give them kind of this view of who you are. You know, Taylor Swift yeah. does it and Demi Lovato does it. I mean, if you look at the big sure. artists, they're, you know, they've got teams that are masters at developing brand. And I think yes. that's what we as independent artists need to start really, you know, uh, putting our time into and develop the brand. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, people really do. like, And like you mentioned, it's, it's that personal aspect of it that people, they, they, they like knowing the other side of you besides the music part, you know. And the people like you mentioned, I mean, a lot of, Taylor Swift, obviously, they're they're masterful at that, at the development of it. And I, I hope that uh, more independent artists do that because I think that ultimately is it is an extra thing that your fans that they really enjoy, you know. So I, I'm, I'm I see that, like you say, more more independent artists are, are going to have to devote more time to that for sure. Oh yeah, yeah without a doubt. Um, yeah, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. It's been oh, a real thank you for having me. Having- the uh, pleasure has been all mine, man. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there an Indie Blues double shot from your new release. Uh, you guys all right. love this. You know what? Turn it up loud. 
Screw the neighbors. That's right. We're have some fun. <laughs> That's right, man. Big shoes.
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Make you shout now. 